Come on, let's give that hand clap of praise to the Lord this morning. Oh, come on, just for a few more moments, can we praise him like he's worthy? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! There's expectancy in the house this morning. I believe people didn't come to church today just to go through the motions. I believe people didn't come to church today just because their spouse would be upset with them if they didn't come on Palm Sunday. I believe there's a group of people here on Cooper Road who have come with expectation of what God is going to do. That's what I love about one of the many things I love about being a part of his church is every single time we walk through these doors, we encounter the King of Kings. We encounter the Lord of Lords. When the praises go up, the glory comes down. And I'm so thankful, so thankful for that. Amen. We give honor to our pastor, Pastor Urshan and his family, his wonderful family. I am a bit biased, but that's okay. That's okay. We love them greatly. And I love this church greatly. I love this church. Amen. We have been here almost almost a year and a few months, if you can believe that or not. But you have opened your arms and welcomed us and loved us. And the love of God is just exemplified here at Tree of Life in a way that you won't find everywhere that you go. And I'm thankful to be a part of you. I'm thankful to be a part of the blood wash multitude. You're my brother and you're my sister. And we've come here to do one thing and one thing only, and that's to lift up that name that's above every other name, that beautiful, precious, wonderful name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I'd like to go ahead and get into the word of the Lord. If you would not mind standing as we do so, if you are able, I would like to turn your attention to the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 40, Psalms chapter 40, verse 1. And when you have it, say amen. The word of the Lord says this, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me, and he heard my cry. How many of you are thankful that one day the Lord heard your cry? He heard my cry he brought me up also out of an horrible pit out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings and verse 3 and he hath put a new song everybody said a new song a new song in my mouth even praise unto our God many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Now, two more short passages of Scripture, two more verses. Psalm 59, verse 16 and 17. But I will sing of thy power, yea, I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning. For thou hast been my defense and refuge in the day of trouble. Unto thee, O my strength, will I sing, for God is my defense and the God of my mercy. I prayed that the Lord would give me a good little 
Palm Sunday message, but the Lord didn't give me one of those. <laughs> so if it's okay with you, I'm just going to preach what the Lord has given me, what the Lord has laid on my heart. I'd like to preach to you a message this morning entitled, The Song of the Redeemed. The Song of the Redeemed. Amen. Could we lift up the Lord in this place one more time? Precious Jesus, we thank you for your spirit that we feel here in this place. Lord, we have felt it from the first note that was played this morning since the first word that was spoken behind this pulpit today. Lord, we feel it even now. Lord, we ask that your perfect will would be made manifest in your house tonight. Lord, that you would speak to your people. That you would speak to our hearts. Lord, that we would not only be hearers of the word, but Lord, let it penetrate the very substance of who we are. Lord, let it make us doers of thy word. We ask all this in the precious, wonderful name of Jesus. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated this morning. <clears throat> there, are, there are certain things that make the church the church. Certain specific, certain things that they help identify the apostolic church from the rest of the religious world. When you come into an apostolic church, you'll see things that aren't exactly common in the denominal world. And if you came from a different type of church into the apostolic church, you know what I'm talking about this morning. When you visit churches in the religious world, you'll see people for the most part sitting still in their pews with their hands so politely folded because that's what's expected and that's what you do in church. You might see a member of the clergy in, in some type of fancy multicolored robe of sorts, depending on where you find yourself. Perhaps they might be even wearing a large gold cross or some other form of religious ornamentation, if you will. Depending on where you go, you may hear some chants and some prayers that have become so repetitious through the generations that they are now void of any real depth or any real sincerity or feeling. An example, I was, I was on an inner city missions trip several, several years ago in New York City in the different boroughs of New York City, and while there, we visited the community of Williamsburg, and if you've ever been to Williamsburg, it is a predominantly Jewish neighborhood in Brooklyn. And the, the men in our group, the men on our missions trip were allowed and granted the privilege to enter the synagogue there for observation. I remember walking in, and as soon as you walk in, I remember hearing the echoes, the loud, boisterous echoes of Hebrew prayers filling the halls of that building. And while it was a very, very interesting experience, while, while it was even a very educational experience, if you will, I, I stand before you this morning to let you know that I, I could not feel anything in that specific moment. I, I could not feel anything that was real. I did not feel what I feel here today in this place. In these quote-unquote religious environments, it will feel cold, it will feel empty, it will feel dead, and it will feel 
lifeless. And it's because the Spirit of God is not there. And it's not because there are not sincere people there. Many of these places are full of sincere people. Many of these religious places have patrons that are sincere and are seeking after the Lord the only way that they know how, the way that their grandparents did and the way that their parents did. That's the only way they know how to seek the Lord. But the reason these places have become so void of life is simply because his spirit is not allowed to move and to have recourse in those places. Instead, these environments are dominated and dictated by man and man's traditions. And unfortunately, it's an experience that has sadly turned many, many people away from church and the things of God altogether. I know people, I can recall the names of people that I have encountered in my life that want nothing to do with church because of something they encountered some time down the road. But when you walk into a spirit-filled church, when you walk into a place where the Spirit of God is ushered in and welcomed by the praise and the worship of His people, a place where he is given free course to move and to touch and to interact among his people. It is a very different kind of experience. When you find yourself in a Holy Ghost filled church, a church filled with Holy Ghost filled believers, you may see someone dance across the front of the church. You may see somebody running up and down the aisles and you will most certainly experience and witness someone speaking in other tongues as the spirit of God gives the utterance you may hear somebody shout aloud for the victory you will see people physically mentally and emotionally healed by the miraculous power of God In a Holy Ghost filled church, you will feel love and experience truth like you have never, ever experienced it before. These are things that set the church, the real church, the only church, apart from the denominal world. Things that set us apart, things that make us different. Not because we're any better than anybody, but because we have been buried and baptized in the name that's above every name. <laughs> and if this is your first time in an apostolic service this morning, I'm here to tell you, you have come to the right place. If you need healing in your body, you have come to the right place. If you need salvation for your soul, you have come this morning into the right place. If you need deliverance, if you can't find your answer in the bottom of a bottle, then you are in the right place. If you're facing what seems like an impossible situation, you are in the right place place because chains fall in this place depression has no choice but to flee from this place cancer has no authority in this place the prison doors of anxiety and worry and confusion have to swing open in this place haha <laughs> 
Because there's nothing quite like when the saints of the one true living God come together in one mind and in one accord and begin to lift up and to magnify that one name that is above every name. The name of Jesus. Ha <laughs> ha. And we, we get to partake in this experience, not because you and I are here, not because we have met some kind of credential or criteria, not because any, anything like that. We get to partake in this experience because he is here. The king of kings is here in this place. The Lord of lords is here in this place, and he is ushered in in by the praise and the worship of his people and when you have a true actual encounter with Jehovah you will never ever ever be the same again never never powerful wonderful Beautiful things happen in this place. The place where God meets and interacts with his people. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful to be a part of his church. This is his church. I said this is his church. He purchased it on Calvary's hill. He bought it with the currency of his own precious blood. We are the members of the blood-washed multitude the church the true church is such a special special place and you need to thank God every day that you somehow some way found yourself here in this place today one one of the many things that really makes the church stand out and separates us from the rest of the religious world are our songs. The songs that have come out of the apostolic movement are, are like none other. They are like none other. Nothing the world has to offer can compare. Nothing the religious society has to offer can compare. Many, many years ago when the Protestant movement was started, when it was beginning, when they began to separate themselves from the Roman Catholic Church, with that movement came a transition from the empty, vain, repetitious chants of the religious world, and they transitioned to songs that had depth, songs that, that had meaning, songs of faith, songs about his greatness, songs about his mercy, songs about his grace. These songs, they, they didn't come from the carnal minds of men. Their origins were from the soul. They were conceived out of real, true experience. They were birthed out of real, true trial. Songs like Amazing Grace, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That song, Amazing Grace, was written by a man by the name of John Newton. John Newton, in his young years, was not a good man. He was a slave trader. He was a former slave trader who went on to become an Anglican minister in his later years. He experienced firsthand 
the amazing grace of God. The story goes that one night he was, while on the way back from the continent of Africa to the Isles of Great Britain, he was trapped in a storm at sea. And the storm, he, he could feel what he could only go on to describe as the wrath of Almighty God. And in the midst of that storm, he lifted his voice and he cried, Lord, if you'll save a wretched sinner like me, I will serve you the rest of my days. And I'm here to tell you, Mr. Newton kept his promise. And when he looked back at the life that he had once lived, the things that he had once been a part of, the horrible things that he had been responsible for at one time, and then he looked at where God had miraculously brought him. Out of that conversion experience came the song that we all know and love, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Another song written by the man by the name of Horatio Spafford. Horatio Spafford was an American businessman who had lost nearly everything that he owned in the great fires of Chicago, the great Chicago fires of the 1800s. He had lost nearly all of his amassed wealth, his, his property, his belongings, everything that he owned. It, it almost destroyed him. Around the same time, he lost his young son to scarlet fever, thinking his family could use a vacation or a break from all of this repeat tragedy. He sent his wife and his four daughters for a, a small vacation in England. Little did he know the tragedy that would await them and the stormy Atlantic that ship carrying his family would sink, claiming the lives of all four of his daughters. And, and he, he immediately, when he heard the news, he got on a ship and he headed for England to meet his wife, the only one that had survived. And as, as they passed over the spot where the ship had got down, the captain, knowing the loss that he had encountered, went to him and said, Mr. Spafford, I just thought you would like to know that this is where it happened. This is where the ship went down. And as he went to the bow of that ship and he looked over at that icy grave that had claimed the lives of his four daughters... These words flooded his mind. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well, it is well with my soul. I remember, I remember hearing my great-grandfather telling the story of how when he was just a young boy, there was a knock on their family home in downtown Chicago. He opened the door and before him stood the great man we know as Bishop G.T. Haywood. He asked, son, is your father home? Could I speak to him? He led him into the room where his father was and Bishop Haywood said, Brother Urshan, God gave me a song. And I had to drive straight here and tell you about it. Bishop Haywood then lifted up his hands and his voice to heaven and began to sing, I see a crimson stream of blood. 
It flows from Calvary. Its waves which reach the throne of God are sweeping, sweeping, sweeping over me. And everyone in that room began to weep as the presence of God filled that place. I'm here to tell you the songs of the church were birthed out of real experience. They were poured from the vials of heaven directly into man's soul. Songs about his restoring and his saving power. Songs about how, how his grace and his mercies are from everlasting to everlasting. Songs about how we were sinking deep in sin. Far from the peaceful shore very deeply stained within sinking to rise no more but the master I said but the master of the sea he heard my despairing cry and from the waters from the waters his love lifted me now safe am I Oh, my heart was distressed neath Jehovah's dread frown. And lo, in the pit where my sins, my sins dragged me down. I cried to the Lord from my deep miry clay who tenderly brought me out to the golden day. Oh, he brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He put a song in my soul to stay a song of his praise I said a song of his praise hallelujah the psalmist said it like this he brought me up out of an horrible pit out of my out of the miry clay and set my feet on the rock and established my goings and he hath put a new song in my mouth these songs these these songs of redemption are so much more than just empty lyrics on some random sheet of paper no they are the composition of lives lives that have been transformed by the mercy of almighty god the testimonies of the recipients of amazing grace they're the songs of the redeemed all throughout scripture you can find examples of these songs you can find them one after another and songs they have a way of, of getting stuck in our heads they have a way of engraving themselves into our minds unfortunately it's usually songs we wish we could forget like when you agree to help out with Sunday school and, and sometime around Tuesday afternoon you realize you're singing Father Abraham had many sons for the 374th time. Corporations know this. They know our minds remember songs. This is why they create jingles that will remind you of their products. Da 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 da. I'm loving it. Doesn't that just make you want a double cheeseburger and a small fry? They know this. They know how our minds work. You'll forget a lot of things in your lifetime. You'll forget names. You'll forget faces. You'll forget events. You'll forget places. And you'll forget things. But you won't so easily forget a song. You won't forget a song. We remember 
songs. The melody and the rhythm of songs actually create a trail of cues that are embedded in our psyche, that are embedded into our minds. And when you hear that specific melody or that rhythm, those cues are activated and you will remember that song. And it's not just even the song itself or by itself, but you'll recall memories and places and people and events that are associated and tied to whatever that song may be. I, I was reading an article recently and these scientists were studying the, the relationship between memory and song. One of them stated that there are two different kinds of memory. There's explicit memory and there's implicit memory. Explicit memory is something that you can recall manually, something that you can go into the little Rolodex of your brain and then pull out and remember because you chose to remember it. That's explicit memory. For instance, if someone were to ask you what you had for dinner on Friday, you would recall, you would go back to Friday night, you would recall what you had, and you would relay to them whatever that might be. You would manually recall and retrieve that explicit, specific memory. But implicit memory is something different. This is where songs, this is where melody, this is where rhythm are stored in the human mind. Implicit memories deal with the subconscious. They deal with the subconscious. Memories that you cannot manually retrieve even if you wanted to. But the instant you hear that certain melody or that certain rhythm, those cues are again activated in your mind and you are transported back in time to memories associated with that song. This is why they use music to treat Alzheimer's and dementia patients because the part of the brain that stores the implicit memories that we accrue in a lifetime is not damaged by the diseases of Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's or dementia so that that's why they play music for them that would have been popular when they were younger and when they hear that rhythm and when they hear that melody that that is stored in that implicit part of their mind where those memories are stored they remember things and they are flooded with memories of of times and people and places and things that are associated with that music I'm here to tell you there is power in a song there is power in a song. Let me just stop right there and say, be careful what you listen to. Because, come on now. Be careful what you allow to create cues in your mind. Be careful what you listen to because there is power in the song. In Deuteronomy, we read about the song of Moses. And in Revelation, we read about it once again. It's both the first and the last song mentioned in the Bible. The Lord tells Moses, teach this song to my people. Put it in their mouths. Teach it to them, Moses, because I already know that they'll forget my laws and they'll forget my ways. They'll forget about where I brought them from. They'll forget about the slavery that I delivered them from. They'll forget about the wilderness that I brought them through and they'll forget about the manna that I provided for them from heaven and they'll forget about the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. With time they'll forget it all, but they won't so easily forget a song. So 
Moses taught them this song so that Israel would remember who they were and who it was that had delivered them. And it was passed down from generation to generation. And this is how they told the stories of how God delivered them and how God brought them through. They would teach the song, the song of Moses to each passing generation. And it would become the anthem of God's people. There are entire books of the Bible that are dedicated to songs and song-like passages, psalms, lamentations, the song of Solomon. They are songbooks, if you will. The, the songs are, are such an integral part of who we are as the children of God and as the church. And did you know that if you have repented of your sins and if you have been baptized in that precious name of Jesus and if you've been filled with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost, then you have your very own song you have your very own song it's true if you've been a recipient of his grace and of his mercy then you have your very own song and it is completely unique to you nobody has one like it it is a composition of your life it is a composition of your life experiences every high and every low is a note on the sheet music of your testimony and I'm here to tell you your song is not just composed of the good times or just the high notes, if you will, of your life. You might wish it was. You might want it to be. There might be some things in your life that you wish you could forget about, some things that you could just retract from your memory and, and completely wipe out forever, some things that you are embarrassed by, some things that you don't want to talk about, much less sing about. There may be some low points some low notes, if you will, that you would rather not include in your song. But I'm here to tell you, you can't write a song like that. There would be no beautiful melody. There would be no cohesive rhythm. There would be no variation of tone. It would just be monotone. And that's not how a song is written. Every single moment of your life is a part of your song and a part of your testimony. The good times and the bad times. Every mountaintop and every valley low. The high notes and the low notes. From the pits of despair to the crescendos of redemption. It is all, it is all a part of the song. And it's a beautiful song. It's a beautiful song. It's a song that not even the angels can sing. They can sing of his greatness. That's what they were created to do. They sing of his greatness all day long from morning to night. They sing of how great he is and how powerful he is and how mighty he is. That's why they were created. They have a song that they can sing, but we have a song that not even the angels can sing. You see, they can't sing about his mercy. They can't sing about his grace. They can't sing the song of the redeemed. But we who've been washed in the blood, we who have been saved from sin, we who have been ransomed from death, hell, and the grave, we who have tasted and seen that he is good, we who've experienced the goodness of God, we have a song 
that not even the angels can sing. And every time that I'm in his presence, I'm going to sing. I'm going to sing that song. I'm going to sing my song that the angels cannot sing. I'm going to sing the song of the redeemed. So pardon me if I get a little crazy. Pardon me if I get a little loud. Pardon me if I lose my composure a little bit. But you just don't know like I know what the Lord has done for me. You don't know, you don't know what the Lord has done for me. <laughs> I love, I love seeing people come into his presence and getting totally lost in worship and praise. And every time I see it, I say to myself, ah, I know what's happening here. I know what they're doing. They're singing their song every time somebody dances across the front of this church they're singing their song every some every time somebody runs up and down these aisles they are singing their song every time somebody lifts their voice in a shout of victory they are singing their song ha I'll never forget one of the first times I visited Tree of Life. I had visited when I was younger, but this was one of the first times I came by myself. I was here, and you know how worship gets around here? <laughs> People go all out. People praise him like he's alive and well because he is. I remember it was one of those services. The place was just about to bust loose. The roof was about to fly off. And, and no sooner did I feel that and somebody took off running around this church, high-fiving people. And I said, there's something different about that dance. It was Brother Jared. It wasn't long after I found out about Brother Jared's story. He was dancing with legs that were never supposed to walk again. <laughs> ah! He got up from a bed he was never supposed to leave. He walked out of a hospital he was never supposed to leave. <laughs> Woo! Oh, now sadly, sadly, there are some church folk who don't like it when people get too demonstrative with their worship. Why can't they just keep their composure? Why do they get so emotional? Don't they know they're embarrassing themselves? I'm embarrassed for them if they're not embarrassed. I'm here to tell somebody, don't you ever laugh at somebody for worshiping the way that they worship. Don't you ever even think about it. Don't you ever poke fun at somebody because the way they give everything to God and praise and worship. You might not understand why they do it. You might not understand. It might not make any sense to you. You might not understand my song. 
But that's because you weren't there when he found me. You weren't there when he saved me. You weren't there when he healed me. You don't know what I was doing. You don't know where I was going. You don't know what I was drinking. You don't know what I was smoking. You don't know how lost I was. You don't know what it was like when he rescued me, when he saved me. You weren't there when he created in me a clean heart. You weren't there when he renewed in me a right spirit. You weren't there when he healed me and transformed me by the renewing of my mind. If you were, you might understand why I dance the way that I dance. If you had only been there, you might understand why I shout the way that I shout. And you might understand why I run the way that I run. Why I praise him the way that I praise him. This is my story. This is my song. Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me out. No, never, never, never. <laughs> He's done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. Woo. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. One day, one day Jesus was dining, he was partaking of a meal in the house of Simon, when in busted in a woman. Scripture tells us, it specifically tells us that she was a sinner and was known by the people of that area as a sinner. And with her, she carried an alabaster box, a box that was full of precious ointment. It was precious. It was costly. The historians believe that it was worth approximately the equivalent of a year's salary in that time. And she took that alabaster box and she broke it and anointed the feet of Jesus. And she washed his feet with her tears and she dried them with her hair. And Judas spoke up and said, this is wasteful. This could have been sold and given to the poor. This could have been, been used for something good. What are you doing? Why are you behaving the way that you're behaving? Why are you doing this in this time and in this place? That you're obviously, you don't know how much this costs. You have no clue what you have just done. Let me tell you something. People in the church today that are critical of other people's worship have that same Judas spirit. Yeah. 
I wish I could tell you it was dead and gone when he went on, but that's, I'm afraid it's not true. If you're not careful, it'll, it will lurk into the church today and it will, it will pick up its ugly head and it will criticize people when they worship the way that they worship. But Mary, she didn't let that even bother her. She didn't let that affect her or the way that she treated Jesus because she knew exactly how much it cost. No, Judas, you don't know how much it costs. I know. I know how much it costs. You just don't understand. You weren't there when Jesus found me. You weren't there when he drew the line in the sand. You weren't there when he washed away my sin. You weren't there when he called me by my name and wrapped his loving arms around me. From your outside perspective, Judas, my actions, my story, my psalm might not make any earthly sense to you. But that's okay. Because when I hear my song, when I reflect on it, when I hear every high and every low, when I listen to the notes that were my life, when I hear the melody of my story, it sounds like amazing grace. I said it sounds like amazing grace and oh how sweet the sound and it reminds me of where he brought me from and it reminds me of how he set me free and it reminds me of the battles he has won and he has fought for me Oh, I wonder what would happen if everybody in this place would simply lift their voice and begin to sing their song what would happen if we started to sing our song of praise, our specific song, the one that's unique to us. Oh, come on, fill this place with praise. Fill this place with praise. This is my story. This is my song. Oh, Oh, come on, that's it. Think back on everything he's done for you. How he raised you. How he healed you. How he filled you with the Holy Ghost. Oh, come on, if it makes you want to shout, why don't you go ahead and shout? If it makes you want to run, why don't you go ahead and run? If it makes you want to dance, why don't you go ahead and dance? This is your story. This is your song. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh, come on, that's it. Fill this place with praise. Sing that song. Sing that song. Sing that song. Oh, I'll never forget. I'll never forget what you've done for me. Mm. I want to I want to speak to the people that are facing something. I don't know what it may be. It could be anything. It's that thing that you think's impossible. It's that thing that you think will surely defeat you. That thing that's going to detour you and sidetrack you and stop you dead in your tracks. I want to tell you I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Satan is terrified of your song. 
I said, Satan is terrified of your song. He knows that your song is your testimony. And he knows the power of your testimony. He knows that we have overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Oh, come on, that's it. I want to open these altars. I want people to flood these altars this morning. <laughs> God, you've been so good to us. Where would I be? Where would I be without your mercy? Where would I be without your saving, redeeming power? Where would I be without your blood? Oh, <laughs> When I think back on all the things that you've done for me, when I think back of every mountain that you've brought me over, when I think back to every battle that you fought and won on my behalf, oh, this is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior. All the day long <laughs> Jesus is my oh hallelujah hallelujah oh, Perfect submission. 